I'm Beth. And I'm Leslie. And welcome to Quince. A little sweet. A little tart. And a little unexpected. It's Wednesday, December the 23rd, 2015. And the word of the day is... Celebrate! Oh man, what could be better? Absolutely. <laughs> and um, the whole time through, ever since we said this word, the Cool and the Gang song has been running through my head. Oh, man. <laughs> I am an 80s child. You know what, Leslie? You are only, what, two or three years younger than I Yeah, that's am. probably about right, yeah. And it's so different because when you put that up, I'm like, oh, my God, Leslie. <laughs> well, I but, didn't say I liked it. But it's but you knew it. And but knew I knew it, it well. like, in and right. out, inside out. And then I had to go. I'm like, wait, but what's that Celebrate song I like? So I had to go up on YouTube and find it. And, of course, it was the Rare Earth one. Okay, yeah. Well, that's yeah. a little classier. Well, well that was nine, it was 10 years before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, that's opposite teenager in the 70s right so and I was in college in the 70s yeah, so, so anyway but we have <laughs> first I think we should ask Webster's new collegiate dictionary uh, on page 177 what the word celebrate means that's a good idea don't you think because sometimes we think we know what we're talking about and we don't that's <laughs> so for sure I don't okay so celebrate means to perform a sacrament or solemn ceremony publicly and with appropriate rites. This is the first meaning. Oh, that's the first meaning. This is the first oh, meaning. Oh, okay. I, I, I would, wouldn't have expected that to I, be that, the first Me neither. And it's, of course, from the Latin. And it's a, let's see, to honor as a holy day or feast day by solemn ceremonies or by refraining from ordinary business. That's uh, to demonstrate satisfaction in as an anniversary by festivities or other deviation from routine. Mm -hmm. okay. To hold up or play up for public acclaim to a celebrated person, I guess. And uh, to observe a holiday, perform a religious ceremony, or take part in a festival. And to observe a notable occasion with festivities. So the first thing that leaps to our minds, or my mind, is the last thing that the dictionary talks about. Oh, right. <laughs> That's yes. very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Though, when you stop and you think about it, when you actually hear, hear the word celebrate being used, lots of times... It might be we're going to celebrate communion right. this week at church. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So because and probably most celebrations began, at the very least, as a solemn um, occasion. Mm -hmm. You know. So, except for maybe birthdays and maybe not. I always think of New Year's. So, New I'm, Year's, I'm yeah. doing the double. I'm doing the partying, but I'm also celebrating a holiday yeah or or an event or something special mm-hmm so anyway we have we decided to do celebrate and of course this is the Christmas season mm-hmm and I wanted to bring up my hugest pet peeve Ooh. in the world it, I, I rarely well I don't even get angry about this but I really find it distressing that people think the words happy holidays are offensive Oh, yeah. I've said that since I was a kid sometimes. Well, that... I have too. And uh, for us, as a child, Christmas 
was a season that started when school went out, and it ended when we went back to school after New Year's. So it was the holidays. It was the holidays. And so we had Christmas. In our neck of the woods, we didn't celebrate it, but there's Boxing Day. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, there's New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. And in our neck of the woods, a lot of people celebrated Old Christmas. Right. The 12 days of the Christmas. The 12 days of Christmas. And this was a... These are all Christian, basically, um, Boxing Day's a little bit on the secular side, but they're part of Christian tradition. And so when somebody wishes you happy holidays, they may not be thinking about Hanukkah Mm -hmm. or anything that you find that you don't want to um, acknowledge. Just think about it before you start jumping on people. I have a friend that works at a call center. She says she can't, she doesn't say anything. You know, to acknowledge the season because if she says happy holidays, if she has somebody jump down her throat. Oh my goodness. And then if she says Merry Christmas, she has somebody jump down her throat. So she just doesn't say either. She says, hello, can I help you? Uh, Well, that's a shame. It is a shame. So anyway, just think before you react. It's my thing. Well, there you go. You got that right. <laughs> I got it off my chest. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. So and then so we were talking about doing talking about celebrations. So I did some studying, and I had totally forgotten this. But when I was a child, people talked about breaking up Christmas. Oh, what does that mean? I, I okay. don't think it I doesn't mean that. what it sounds like. It's a name for the twelve days of partying, dancing, and music making. That started at Christmas and ended at what we call Epiphany Nail, but was old Christmas back then. People would just go from house to house all those 12 days and party. Oh, sounds like we should revive this. I think we should revive this. This was really awesome. And um, there was a calendar change. The reason there's old Christmas is in 1582, the uh, Gregorian calendar Mm -hmm. came in. And the uh, America didn't get around to um, acknowledging it until, I think, 1752. So, yeah, 1752. And so a lot of people in the backwards probably didn't get the message <laughs> that Christmas changed. You know, because when, when the new calendar came in, Christmas went from January 6th to December 25th. Oh, it used to be Epiphany. Yeah, it was. A, it used to be Epiphany, and Epiphany is when uh, the wise men supposedly came yes. and uh, acknowledged Christ as, um, you know, and, as a. Um, and, and that's when I get my Christmas cards out. I I always send Epiphany cards because I'm cards. always so late. Yeah, well that's okay. <laughs> well, well it's old Christmas. Yeah, and actually, um, Christmas has a really long convoluted history, and. Um, Many people, this, uh, and including our family, you took down the decorations on on Old Christmas. Right. Yes. Yeah, that was the day you took it down. And um, a lot of people, the Orthodox religions didn't change it. It's still January sixth or seventh in um, in some of the what they call them Russian Orthodox, or, uh, the, the more Eastern. Right. They yes. still use that. Um, but anyway, yeah, breaking up Christmas was having a 12-day party. Ha! 
And I had totally forgotten it until one of our people in the book club mentioned it. And everybody just looked at her. <laughs> they didn't know what, I, what she was talking about. And um, Twelfth Night is another word for Old Christmas. And that's the feast that marks Jesus' manifestation as the light of the world. And when the wise men came. And that's why the tradition of giving gifts came. Right, on Old Christmas. They brought the gifts. And there are a lot of Appalachian traditions about... There are more Appalachian traditions about Epiphany um, than there are about um, Christmas. Because I guess it's older. Um, the 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany are the ruling days. The weather that occurs on each of the 12 days governs what happens during the 12 months of the new year. Oh. So if it's um, raining on... Christmas Day, it'll rain all of January. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Um, animals were supposed to get the power of speech. Yes, I've heard that. On old Christmas. Uh, see, and, now I always thought that was Christmas Eve. Yeah, well, according to the Appalachian tradition, and then other legends say that all the animals will lay down at midnight on old Christmas Eve. So. Very interesting. Yeah, so anyways, but that... Some of that, a lot of that stopped before I was really born. You know, the, the, uh, there had been enough changes with World War II and uh, the 50s. and But I remember people talking about it. Mm -hmm. I remember the phrase breaking up Christmas and talking about going around. Because people around here used to go visiting on Saturday night and, and have dances and uh, set certain uh, religious groups. Uh, they would, but they would still go visit. They wouldn't dance, and they enjoyed the music. Now I learned about Boxing Day when I moved to when I lived in Australia. Oh yeah, absolutely. I had yeah. never heard of it well, before my Brit then. But... My British connections talked about Boxing Day. Yes. Yeah, and that was kind of it, it's a bank holiday. Oh, definitely. Yeah, a, a bank holiday in England is a day the banks are closed. Everything's closed yeah, on Boxing yeah, everything. Day. Yeah, Christmas mm -hmm. and Boxing Day, both days. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas we have Christmas off. So, um, the month and date of Jesus' birth are unknown. That's right. But by the early to mid-4th century, the Western Church had placed Christmas on December 25th. Um, there's no real indication that it was celebrated before then. But there's really, but it shows up on a calendar, a, um, a, what the Catholics have, a calendar of events and calendar of saints and cal it, Christmas shows up on a calendar from way back that far. And um, some churches celebrated on the 25th of the um, older Julian calendar, Julian calendar, which on the Gregorian calendar currently corresponds to January 7th. So when they made the when they made the shift, some people basically didn't shift the calendar. Uh, and you know that is a real sticking point for some people. They're yeah. like, it's not the real day. Yeah. But well, I, I yeah. say, wait a minute. You know, if we are going to celebrate the birth, then let's pick a day, and that's what it is. Well, let's pick. Yeah, and. And there is some ration, rationale. The date may have initially been chosen to correspond with the date exactly nine months after the day on which early Christians believed that Jesus was conceived. 
Hmm. You know, when um, the angel, when the angel came to talk to Mary, they, they have a, a, a way of thinking that out. But there were a lot of polytheistic festivals that occurred near the solstice. The Roman winter solstice has lots of solar connections because uh, Jesus was identified as the son of righteousness. Right. And S-U-N. Yes, S-U-N, mm -hmm. absolutely. And then, of course, the Yule Log, that was a pagan tradition. Yep, and that all burning it there. and the yep. light. And, and then the chrono chronography. I, I need to learn English. <laughs> I actually need to learn Latin. The chronography of 354 A.D. contains early evidence of the celebration on December 25th of a Christian fe feast of the birth of Jesus. Mm. Now that's really the first um, indication, but you know, odds are good that it was before that. You know, and it just finally got written down, just like a lot of the other early stuff. And that was in Rome. And then um, in the Eastern Christianity, the birth of Christ was celebrated in connection with Ep Epiphany. And then, of course, after that, all this other stuff started coming up. The Yule Log and gift-getting from sat the Saturnalia. And um, in the Middle Ages, it was a drunken brawl. Right. Car carolers <laughs> went naked yeah, in the streets, exactly. I've heard. You know, and to a, a family order. Uh, and then the Victorians got involved, and uh, it became a children-centered um, 19th century thing. Um, the celebration of Christmas was banned on more than one occasion within certain Protestant groups, especially the Puritans, due, due to concerns that it was pagan or unbiblical, in, um, in which we were talking a little bit about something about that before, if you want to Absolutely. Well, Christmas was not celebrated in the early years of the United States, Absolutely. that's for sure. It was a British holiday. Mm -hmm. It was outlawed. You could get in trouble for doing any of those. Yeah. In New York, the, the Dutch um, kind of brought in, and a lot of our un, um, the Dutch are kind of an unrecognized influence on America. To but me. they were in New York. Yeah, yes. they were in New York. and um, But they brought, a, they brought in a lot of the tree, the, the Christmas tree and the um, the St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, mm -hmm. they were the ones, they they kind of did their own thing. It's kind of separate from everybody else. I'm so glad they did. Yeah, absolutely. And then it was uh, 1869 or 1870, we need to check that out again, that Christmas became a federal holiday. I know, that late. That, that late. late. That late. With Ulysses Grant mm -hmm. when he was president. Yep. Now, Dickens came out with A Christmas Carol. That was in the 1840s in yeah. England. Yeah, that was like and, early. Uh -huh. um, well, it's a, Christmas has always been a big thing in Britain. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and a lot of the pagan stuff kind of crept in with um, with the Christmas trees and all of that, you know, because there were these people already there before the Normans came and all of the, the French influences. So, um, yeah, Christmas was always a big deal. That's Christmas really and Boxing Day. Very interesting how 
the celebration that is such a part of our lives now. Absolutely. You know, and, and of course I do kind of think sometimes that it does get a little too commercial. And, you know, not having children now, I had a stepdaughter for quite a few years and of course we had to buy her things and we had to have a Christmas tree and all of that and we never got hugely like buy her stuff we couldn't afford type of thing but so I don't know if people still feel pushed oh I think so do they I, yeah. I, I think they probably I don't have a TV do. either so I know see, <laughs> I don't either and I'm not very big on on doing the Christmas presents, but when my son was young, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I think it's wonderful, you know. Mm -hmm. And we generally, my mom's kind of uh, under the weather right now, but we generally have a family gathering every year. And there have been years that that's the only time I see my brother, right? You know, because <laughs> he's uh, traveling all the time, and it's not been quite like that more recently. But in when I was living away, and he was living away. I would get home for Christmas, and he might not be able to, and he would get home for New Year's, or he would get home for either New Year's or Thanksgiving. Uh, so there was, like, years that we missed each other. <laughs> mm. And then he would say, and it wasn't like we weren't, you know, didn't like each other or weren't close. We just simply mm. couldn't mesh schedules. Living life. But I think, you know, that song, I'll Be Home for Christmas, uh -huh. it, it became such a strong thing you were supposed to do Absolutely. And, and when I decided oh I don't know a dozen years ago that Thanksgiving was going to be the holiday with the family and that's when we all get together and then Christmas isn't so much right. and of course you go through divorces oh yeah you know I I get my granddaughter for Thanksgiving, yeah. and she goes with Grandpa John for the week after Christmas. She yeah. gets to go to the beach for a week. You yeah, know? And well, yeah, yeah, family lives are a lot more complicated than they used and to be. And it's okay. Yeah. Do you know I have really enjoyed, and people will just be appalled. Oh, Beth, you have to come see us, or why don't you just come drive you know, down, or whatever. And I said, you don't understand. I have this wonderful routine <laughs> on Christmas to keep mm -hmm. it very quiet and listen to the music I want to listen to. I listen to Christmas stories on yeah. on the radio and eat what I want, watch a movie, take a walk. I love to take a long walk yep. on Christmas. Yeah. yeah, everybody has a different thing about it for sure. And, th and having the kids, that's a great thing. Yes, that, that yeah. makes the difference. Yeah, so y'all basically do Thanksgiving. Y'all do Christmas at Thanksgiving right. or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you know what I noticed today? I, I had to go to the post office. I had to stop at a couple stores just here in Meadows of Dan. Um, the bank. Everybody was so nice. I mean, they're always nice. Oh, yeah. But they were exceptionally, you know, yeah. it's almost like a little sparkle in yeah. people's eyes. That's what I like about the season. Yeah, yeah, these season. And there are other things that people celebrate. Mm-hmm. And Hanukkah is the big one that most of us recognize because, um, you know, we kind of just heard about it from different things. And I never really, I, I thought of it as an ancient Jewish festival. 
but it never occurred to me where it came from. The oil in the lamps. And yeah, well, it's known as the Festival of Lice. Mm -hmm. and the it's the Feast of Dedication. It's an eight-day Jewish holiday commemorating the rededication of the Second Temple in Jerusalem at the time of the Maccabean Revolt. Oh, okay. So I would have thought later. it would have been much further, mm -hmm. much further back in mm -hmm. like the Solomon's Temple. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, it's during the um, revolt against the um, the Greeks in the second century BC. It's observed for eight days and nights. That's why the candles starting the menorah. on. Yeah, and it and it kind of moves. It can be any time in late this from late November to late December. Right. And do you know how to say this? Uh-oh. Oh, Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. I wanted to make sure. Mm -hmm. And this is a week-long celebration held in the United States and in other nations of the Western African diaspora in the Americas. And it began in 1966 to 67 mm -hmm. as a way to kind of um, honor uh, African heritage, and um, there are seven core core principles that um, upstand or that are to help with the. Um, I guess you'd call it the seven principles of life, uh, African heritage. Is what they're. Um, I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah, uh, this was new mm. to me too, and um, the founder was. Malina Karinga, and I'm sorry about that. I should have looked that up. But um, they, um, the seven days of um, the celebration is that are each dedicated to one of the principles, uh, which follow unity, self-determination, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. Those are all good things. And they have a lot of symbols. A decorative mat, corn, other crops, a candle holder with seven candles, a communal cup, gifts, a poster, and a black, red, and green flag. Very interesting. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad to know that. Yeah, and um, there's um, millions of people do celebrate the holiday during that. And, and in conjunction with Christmas, it's not meant to... Uh, wipe out Christmas. I think originally it was the idea was to give African Americans something different than white religion, hmm. but it has become. But you know, uh, Christianity is so deeply ingrained in African life. I mean, well, absolutely. I mean, it's not <laughs> like Christmas is. It's not reserved for a certain yeah color skin. It's well, for uh, Christians. Well, <laughs> this came from this came from the '60s and a right. lot of oh, yeah, civil sure. rights movements sure. and different things. So it has become more of a um, a celebration of African culture in addition to Christmas. Mm -hmm. You know, because the. the when the black lady gets to feel in her religion, get out of your, her way. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. I admire the the depth of uh, faith and so many people who have had so many challenges in their lives that we can't even comprehend as oh. as white girls on top of a mountain. That's very true. Yeah, but I will be the first to admit that. Mm. So, and then we have Boxing Day. 
Yes, which we mentioned, which is a day that you gave service people, basically, a gift. Your mailman or your um, gardener or whoever that um, took care of you through the year. That's right. And um, Yule. We mentioned Yule. That's a um, indigenous midwinter f- festival celebrated by the Germanic people. Mm-hmm. That's where it started. Uh, the earliest references are in the form of some month names where the Yuletide period lasts upwards of two months, falling at the end of the modern calendar between mid-November and early January. Uh, a king in Norway brought Christian- Christianity to Norway, and he adopted the, um, or he adapted Yule and rescheduled the date to coincide with Christian celebrations held at the time. Uh, that, that's one thing Christianity did in a lot of uh, ways is uh, sort of like the way the Romans did. They sort of engulfed other religions and made it a part of, you know, a, um, a part of the faith. Um, the saga says when the king arrived in Norway, he was confirmed a Christian, but since the land was still altogether heathen and the people retained their pagan practices, he hid his Christianity to receive the help of the great chieftains. And in time, he gently had a law passed establishing that Yule celebrations were to take place at the same time as those Christians over there celebrated Christmas, and then he took it. Ah. <laughs> and, uh, and at the time, everyone was to have ale for the celebration with a measure of grain, or else pay fines, and they had to keep the holiday as long as the ale lasted. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of these people kind of had it together, but of course, to after he got all everybody happy with the idea, then he's you know kind of founded Christianity as a. So the Yule log, I mean, I always think of them in conjunction, yeah. Yule and log and burning. Well, Did that have anything to do with the Christmas tree? Not as far as I know. I think the Yule log was the, the Norwegian, and then the Christmas tree became from um, Tannebaum. That was pure right, German. German. Yeah, pure German war. But it, it was um, it's kind of all part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the Dutch, see... This whole thing, this whole idea of German people and Dutch people and French people, that was sort of a vague thing back in the Middle Ages and all that because um, somebody would invade this bit and it would become German for a while. And then someone would invade this bit of Holland and it would become French for a while. So when you're talking a specific Germanic or Dutch or whatever, it's a fluid thing. Yes. Yeah, and then uh, when the Dutch brought the Dutch brought a lot of this stuff over to America, but they had kind of adopted it, pulled it out of the Yule idea. It's funny how cultures do that. Our friend Peter was talking the other night, you know, of course he has the Hungarian background, mm-hmm. about how his mother did the traditional of you put your boots out and you got the switches mm-hmm. in them, but how she made that more gentle by putting bows on them or something. (laughs) And and I had to laugh. And I said, well, in West Virginia, that's maybe where the coal bit. You know that you got coal in your stockings. Right. Yeah, well, we heard the coal... Coal one, and we heard the bundle of switches, too. Mm -hmm. The boots weren't involved, involved, but, uh, you know, as Christmas came, if you were a bit naughty, 
uh, grandma or mama would say, well, you, all you're going to get for Christmas is a bundle of switches. Ah, and see, we get the coal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and occasionally they would say something. But we didn't do, I don't remember, we didn't do the stocking thing. Oh, no, that was my favorite. Yeah. It was my favorite to get a stocking. Yeah. And, I mean, I still remember what my mother put in every single year. Yeah, wow. And then for me to do the stockings, that was my favorite part of, shopping because you know I don't like to shop but I would always shop on Christmas Eve day to get my son's stocking or anyone else I was making a stocking for and that's all you yeah. know well other people gave us stockings like the grandparents or whatever but I don't remember stock they didn't hang stockings up on this um on this fireplace mm. that I remember you ever heard of Yalda no I don't think. Okay, this is winter solstice. It's the longest night of the year and the beginning of the lengthening of days. Shabbat Yalda is an Iranian festival celebrating the victory of light and goodness over dark and evil. It means birthday eve. According to Persian mythology, Mithra was born at dawn on 22nd December to a virgin mother. He symbolizes light, truth, goodness, strength, and friendship. Herodotus reports that this was the most important holiday of the year for, for Persians of his time. In modern times, Persians still celebrate Yalda by staying up late or all night, meaning night uh, in a practice known as night gazing. Fruits and nuts are eating, eaten, especially pomegranates and watermelons. Who red, whose red collar invokes the crimson hues of dawn and symbolize Mithra. Oh, that's neat. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And um, there are some people that say, that say that if Mithra, if the Mithra rites, they were secretive. Mm. And they were somewhat military. Uh, but they, they were a secret sect. If it had been more like Christianity, it might have actually been in combat with which one came mm. out on top. Well, you've got that virgin birth thing. Got that virgin birth thing going. So, um, and I always feel like when I'm reading about Old Testament, there's a lot of that um, light and darkness that I think was a Persian influence in some of the Zoroastrianisms. Mm -hmm. the All the stars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Dongzi Festival. How do you spell that? That sounds Chinese or something. D-L-O-N-G-Z-H-I is the extreme of winter. It's Chinese. Mm -hmm. And one of the most important festivals celebrated by the Chinese and other East Asians. On or around December 22nd. And uh, it, of course, fell on Tuesday, December 22nd. It can be traced back to the yin and yang philosophy of balance and harmony in the cosmos. After the celebration, there will be days with longer daylight hours, and therefore an increase in positive energy flowing in. And it comes out of the I Ching. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I thought that was kind of mm -hmm. neat. For sure. So that's my list, and there were there are really hundreds of different things. There are you know, Catholic uh, Saint Days mm -hmm. through December. There are just a lot of different celebrations. Well, thank 
you in for finding this. Yeah. So I learned. I thought I we learned. needed to know a little bit about something other than the religion that we, what the, we, the um, traditions that we grew up with. Mm-hmm. So, so next year we might do Bonesy. <laughs> well, that was good. All right. So look, you reckon we ought to do a little sweet since we've talked for a long time, <laughs> or I've talked for a long time. That's all right. Well, and you're going to keep talking because a little sweet are the projects yes. that we're working on. Yes. And I have finally gotten my act together and started a project. And it's called a HAP Shaw. H-A-P. Uh, a long time ago, I was watching a BBC Hercule Poirot. Oh. And it was called The Mystery of Hunter's Lodge. I remember absolutely nothing about the story, except that poor Perot had a bad cold or the flu, and so he's in this dark room of this lodge, and he has this amazing shawl wrapped around him. And so immediately I had to stop the tape or the um, DVD and find out what that shawl was. Now what it is, it's a very large square shawl, with a um, simple um, section in the middle. And, and, uh, those of us that are knitters know that it's a garter stitch square. Um, the word hap means to cover, wrap, or keep warm. And it was an everyday shawl, that, uh, or a traditional shawl of everyday wear for Shetland women. It was made in the Shetland Isles off Scotland. And it was not made of a fine wool, because the fine wool was to make those wonderful um, fine uh, sh lacy shawls that they sold. That was how they made their living. It's a traditional square shawl made with a simple central pattern, a lace surround, and the lace pattern is called feather and fan, generally, and it has a border. Uh, these practical shawls were folded in half to make a triangle and worn over the shoulders, crossed over in the front, and the ends were tied in the back. That's how big it was. Wow. And I have a link to some wonderful pictures of women wearing these shawls back in the 40s and, and earlier. Well, now, were they long? I mean, how does that they differ from a cape, say? Yeah. Well, a cape is a, um, a, a, a one-piece long uh, with a front and back. Mm -hmm. And a hole, well, a poncho, of course, as you know, is, has a hole cut in the middle, and you stick your head through, and it's on front and behind you. A cape can be that way, too. It's just usually longer. Or a cape can be open down the front mm -hmm. and fastened. Like Florence Nightingale. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and then, um, and have an extra. But they're generally not knitted. They're more, li more likely to be woven. Uh, a cape or something like that. Um most shawls and most shawl traditions are triangle shawls. Uh, sometimes you will get a long stole. But this one was made to be doubled for extra one. Shetlands are a cold place. That's true. And the the pictures are delightful of the women. They're, they're wearing their long skirts. And then they have a pretty simple blouse. And then this, is, uh, this uh, shawl is shaped as over the top of that. And then they can work. It's tied uh, at the back, and then they, their hands and arms are free. They're not having to keep pulling the shawl back up like you have to <laughs> with a um, 
triangle shawl. Oh, that's that not, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are a few triangle shawls I've made that are designed to lay better, you know, so that you don't have to be fighting with them. But I'm making the quill by Jared Flood. Um, he is Brooklyn Tweed. Those of us, um, you don't know him, but he's, he's like as famous as Marikan Anna. Uh, amazing designer. Um, the shawl is called Quill and it's from his Spring Fall collection and it's for an intermediate uh, knitter. And I bought the pattern. Um, I think it was $7.95. It was well worth it because I had looked at several free patterns and I couldn't find anything that I liked. And the, the one that I liked wasn't traditional. I had lace in the middle. And I wanted the one that Hercule Poirot was wearing in the show. So men did wear them. Oh, yeah. Well, they did wear them if they were sick. The men had sweaters more. Yeah, it just happened that Hercule had this one on because he was sick. And, he, you know, he was a drama queen. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I, I love him, but he was a drama queen. Yeah, You're right. and so when he huh. got sick, it was just awful. And um, his, um, uh, his Hastings was, at, you know, part of the shooting party. But back in the 20s and 30s, people would go and spend the weekend at this house, and they'd have a house party, and it's usually a huge house, and this was a hunting lodge out in the moors of Scotland, and uh, so he probably gets sick, so they leave him in this room, and then Hastings comes and tells him all the things that happen, and he solves the, mur the murder mystery, I'm sure, without leaving his, his room, <laughs> so, um, but that, but the, the, I had never heard of a half shop until I saw it. And that, um, you know, you had it all wrapped around, and it was like, what is that? Ah. <laughs> well, now you are probably telling a whole lot of people who didn't know it either. So. Exactly. So, um, so anyway, I'm going to talk in the next few weeks about the uh, construction of it, because it's something new to me. I've never made something. It, it's made basically, it's made kind of in three pieces, but not totally. Uh, so it should be very interesting. Um, I've done, I'm working on the center panel now, and there's, um, it's made with what's called a provisional cast-on, and next time I will talk about how that was done, and then, um, it's 270 rows of 136 stitches to make the center section, and I'm making it out of a gray wool, because I wanted kind of the traditional colors, and then, um, the border is in different colors. So even though they were everyday shawls, uh, they were beautiful things. Um, the, the pictures, of course, are black and white that um, I have on the link, but they were really, really attractive. Now, there's one picture on this website uh, that the, there's a girl and a boy standing on the side of the beach or uh, a road above the coast, and he's hugging her, and she's trying to get away from him, and you can see her shawl. It's just the cutest thing. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my project. Do you have any projects? Very good. No. No? No, we have been so busy down at work at the Reynolds oh, Homestead. Yeah, absolutely. And so as of today, I am not there until okay. January 4th. Okay. And so I'm looking around my house saying I really need to do some postcard work. Yeah. Well, we need to celebrate for a couple of days. Yes. I was thinking about maybe taking tomorrow off. I'm not, I haven't decided yet. 
Well, I want to, and I want to go visit, like Ruth Jean and Ruby Jones and just a lovely. few people. Yeah. If you want to go along. Maybe we need to do that. Yeah. So we will talk that over. Okay. Okay, so that's a little sweet. A little tart is our review section. Ah, so um, I couldn't find a book with Celebrate. I tried, and they were all cookbooks, and you know how well, I feel about you, cookbooks. you were not paying attention, because I found a wonderful book of Celebration. Well. And it is called Stories of a West Virginia Family by Beth Amund Ford, Ruthie Amund Vivera, uh-huh, Ann Amund. K. Almond and Green Bear Almond. That's a lot of cashews. A lot of almonds. And it is a, a wonderful celebration of family and childhood in the 50s and 60s in West Virginia. And I have enjoyed it so much. Um, each person that wrote, I could almost, uh, after reading for a little while, I could get, almost guess without seeing who uh, wrote it. I don't know your siblings all that well. You know, uh, a couple of them are Facebook friends, and um, so I don't know them quite as all that well. But I, I be eventually began to pick them out. I could pick yours out immediately. <laughs> you know, so um, but I have enjoyed it. Um, well, thank you, Leslie. Yeah. I appreciate that. And some great, great uh, people that you grew up with, and a wonderful little town by Cannon, West Virginia. And uh, I do have one quote if I can find it again. Of course, I took my paper out. I think it, the, that one quote sums up the whole book. Don't you? Oh my, well bless you. Don't you? I appreciate you saying that. Well, I hope don't you think that, it would does? Be, that would be nice. Yeah, I think it does. And um, I didn't think about that when I wrote it. It yeah. just well, came it really, out. Yeah, the entire book is about growing up. Uh, your father was a doctor. Your mother was a homemaker and an incredibly intelligent woman. Easy to um, tell uh, by a lot of the things that she did and said, and um, the way she handled stuff. And Beth was the rebel of the family, I think. But now, do you think? Well, I don't know. Uh, no, seems you're like, right. You're definitely seems like there right. were a couple of <laughs> references to. Oh, yeah, no. I think there no, were. No, no, you're you're yeah. right. I'm just I'm just. Well, glossy. I think you were, but I think couple of the others kind of stepped out and were very brave in some of the things that they did, for sure. But I was the wild one. You were the wild one. You were the wild child. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, well, it, it's part of a larger story about um, the summer of 71 and all the different things that, um, the influences that were kind of coming into your life at the time. But um, we were lucky. We were safe. We were loved and watched over by our small town mothers and fathers and our community. And this is the important bit. Our roots were steeped in discipline and hard work, but our branches were not pruned. That's true. And that is a huge lesson. And I think I was brought up that way. And I think a lot of our generation was brought up that way. That's right. We yeah. had to work. We knew well, we had the boundaries, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, we had our chores, we, you know, you just did that. But on the other hand, you know, you could go take off for the day and, and say, I'll be back by supper and with your friends and your, you go and you hike or you walk or you right. do something and 
you had that free reign that I really don't think. I don't know if it's safe to do that with kids anymore. And well, I don't know. Was it safe back then? I don't well, know. I don't you know, know. We, we, got we lo- seem to survive. <laughs> yeah. We got in some fixes once yeah, in a while. Yeah, we seem but... to have survived. And it, but it gave you a solid foundation, morally. But you also, the way I took it was less about what happened to you then and more of what happened to us later. You know, we had the firm foundation morally and um, common sense-wise or whatever you want to say, self-discipline. But we also had the, um, we could branch out and fall off our, our own cliffs, make our own spiritual decisions, make our own economic decisions, right or wrong as that may be. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, we were given the tools to do that. Yes. That's how I took it, more than what was actually happened when you were a child. It was like how you branched out later in life. And I think that's awesome. Wow. Really. And all of you branched out in some pretty amazing ways, in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, everywhere from uh, ministry to doctors to, to whatever. So anyway, read the book, Stories of a West Virginia Family. I think you will. And it's a fast read. I I started it yesterday. (laughs) The first chance I had uh, to do it, and I'm about five five pages from the end. Well, I am so happy that you're enjoying it. I really did. It's really great. It's been fun to have people come up to me um, who have read something, and they'll throw something at me from the book. Yeah, yeah, see if you remember. (laughs) Yeah. It took us two years yeah. to write it. Yeah. Well, it, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the one thing I did want to ask when you did the descriptions of your um, siblings, did you get to choose a sibling or was it by lot or how did that happen? We were sitting around my sister Annie's dining room table in Durham, North Carolina. And of course, I. I led this yeah, whole yeah, writing I, I of tell, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, since I teach writing workshops, even though I'm the baby in the family, I got to boss them through this one. Mm-hmm. And I brought up, let's write about each other. We'll each describe someone, but before we even think about it, we're just how we're seated, he- seated here, uh-huh. the one to your right. Oh, okay. That was a, and, that was and a fair so way to do it. And so it was very random. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they turned out wonderful. You know, of course, like I say, I don't know all of your siblings, but I think they turned out really, really nice. You know, and there there was enough uh, sibling uh, vigor that the, the the personalities came through. Uh, <laughs> but you well, can't be too nice. <laughs> well, yes, yes. That somebody said to me, "My goodness, did the sister who wrote about you." Was she a little harsh on oh, you? I and I said, well, I don't think so. No, I didn't. No, there was love through every mm-hmm. word. But, you know, I think they were honest. Mm-hmm. And that was wonderful. Something to treasure. So you have some quotes. I do. About celebrate. About celebrate. To get back to celebrate. Um, this was one by an Angie Krezos. And she said... When we are content and secure in ourselves, 
it leaves one with having no desire to set ourselves up as superior to anyone else when we simply celebrate our own individuality we allow others to do the same no that's lovely isn't that yes isn't it and the other one was also by a woman her name is Jay Woodman and she's talking about celebrating in bereavement mm -hmm. and that made me think about how funerals are often now called celebrations of life absolutely mm-hmm because mm -hmm. yeah. I hadn't thought about that until I read that quote and then I'm like yes that's that that's sense. become yeah. you know something that we do now the role of cherishing in bereavement I think that the key to healthy grieving is to cherish those who have passed on so that you celebrate their lives and the times you did have together with thankfulness instead of trying to cling on and wish that things were different. I believe that you should let them go in peace with love, not try to hang on to their spirits. Just hold the precious moments gently in your heart. Wow, that's a hard thing to and do. And that's a very hard thing <laughs> to do. And thing. I I read it several times because right around Christmas, you know, we that's really we miss. Yep. You know, my sister sent me, Sister Annie sent me a book that Mom and Dad had given oh, me for yeah. Christmas mm -hmm. in 1961 when wow. I was four years old. Yep. You know, and her handwriting is mm -hmm. on there. Merry Christmas back yep. from Mom and Dad. And that's really hard not to cry Absolutely. when you see that. Yep. But when this, uh, Jay Woodman, the sentence was, let them go in peace with love, not trying to hang on to their spirits. Yeah. And I wondered, you know how I am with the spiritual well, and sure. the side of things. And it, so it made me feel, oh, you know, I don't want to cause mom just hang out or <laughs> anguish you know like yeah. oh Bethy don't be sad down there yeah. enjoy yeah. let go you've got things to do and yeah well many years ago we had a friend whose father was dying and he was suffering and it was a long process and one day my friend came to me he says I think mama's holding daddy back mm-hmm so mm -hmm. we sat down and we had a ceremony of letting go. And um, the father died the next day. Oh, yes. I, I do think. I've seen, yeah. I have seen people do that. Yeah, you know, and it is. To come in and tough. say, it yeah. is okay. Yeah, yeah, it is tough. Of course, you have dealt with that aspect many As many a geriatric times. nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know with my own father, we sat around the bed. Uh, it was Greenbrier and Rasselli and Tom and Kay and me. We happened to be the ones who yeah. were home. Yeah. And we sang West Virginia songs because <laughs> that was the thing that, you know, we knew all the words. And Dad certainly loved those sure. songs, the West Virginia Hills mm -hmm. and the Rhododendron song and, and anything that we could think of. And we did that for several hours yeah. until he took his last breath. Yeah. 
and sometimes you have to do that and that is a celebration of a life well lived absolutely and uh, this book and your father's book definitely um it's one of you i forget which one uh did the uh, poem about life um, oh that would have been sister k k about it was beautiful mm -hmm. that she did for the funeral she's an amazing poet yeah mm -hmm. about making a life and that was just amazing that is that is an amazing poem it really was so read the book gotta read the book oh, thank you thank <laughs> okay, you okay now a little unexpected oh well how about i tell the funny well that's joke. that's in the little unexpected all right yeah. and yeah, some yeah. of you out there in radio land may have heard this before but leslie hadn't, I hadn't so, heard it, so i thought i'd share it the importance of original knowledge Principle one, don't trust retellers. Get hold of the original sources. And here's the joke. A new monk arrives at the monastery. He is assigned to help the other monks in copying the old text by hand. He notices, however, that they are copying copies and not the original books. So the new monk goes to the head monk to ask him about this. He points out that if there was an error in the first copy, that error would be continued in all of the other copies. The head monk says, We have been copying from the copies for centuries, but you make a good point, my son. So he goes down into the cellar with one of the copies to check it against the original. Hours later, nobody has seen him. So one of the monks goes downstairs to look for him. He hears sobbing coming from the back of the cellar and finds the old monk leaning over one of the original books crying. He asks, what's wrong? The word is celebrate, not celibate, <laughs> says the old monk with tears in his eyes. <laughs> I think that's marvelous. And a big lesson, particularly on Facebook <laughs> these days. <laughs> Go, back Go to, to the original, original source. source. For sure. Well, as yeah. a historian now, yeah. that's yeah, so important. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Now, that's one thing I regret about because I love the early Christian religion and and all of the, the stories about how Christianity and other religions as well began. And I can't read the original Greek. I can't read the original mm -hmm. Hebrew or the Aramaic. And, um, you know, I'm too old to start all that. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Why not? Um, learn Greek in your 50s. Yeah, maybe when, when I'm 60, I'll learn Greek. <laughs> But, yeah, to be able to read the original yourself, I think, is because everything um, I was reading, I think it was Thomas Mann, and I looked up something I didn't understand. And German has some concepts that don't translate well into English. I'm sure several langu yeah. languages are like but that. But that surprised me because, you know, here we are contemporaries, you know, basically all of us living together in the same world with pretty much the same experiences and what have you. And there are some things that we can't translate from German. 
into English properly, how on earth are we going to do something a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago and get it right mm -hmm. every time? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of interpretation involved. So. You are right. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Yeah, and you have one more thing. Yes, I think. And this is a celebration of friendship. All right. I have known this fella, Greg, from West Virginia for 14 years. Nice. I sold him a postcard on eBay. And we got chatting a little bit and realized that his uncle and aunt and cousins sat in the pew behind me in my church in Buchanan, even oh. though he lived several hours away in a, oh, a small so town. Cool. <laughs> but we realized the connection. Mm -hmm. And we started emailing to yeah. each other. Uh, we had a... He'd send me chocolates from West Virginia, and I'd send him chocolates from Nancy's, yeah. and he we exchanged books, just a lot of notes and cards and uh, Charles Harper postcards I sent him for years. Yeah, that would cool. be a way. And we became close friends. Mm -hmm. I've never met Greg. Oh, cool. In person. Right. But isn't that funny? I'm friends with his sister on Facebook, yeah. a cousin on Facebook. He doesn't get up there. But anyway, his I look forward to his Christmas cards Absolutely. every year. Well, imagine my surprise. I'm standing there at the post office because Suzanne, our postmaster, is weighing all these. Um, I've mailed out a lot of books to mm -hmm. friends today. So yeah, she's adding it all up. I'm looking through my stack of cards here. And I opened Greg's. Uh -huh. And I've got to admit, I had I started to have tears oh. run down my face. And Suzanne just looked at me, are you okay? I said, oh, it's just a hallmark moment. <laughs> what can I say? Uh -uh. But I wanted to read you just a little bit okay. of what he wrote. Because it's about you, too. Oh, okay. In a, in a, in a round way here. Uh -huh. Hi, Beth want you to know that I heard the first episode of your show. Just my kind of thing. Interesting, interesting. And he underlined that. A good vibe coming from that mountain bath. You sound so good. And I feel I know you even better now. Can't wait to hear what is coming up next. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's great. Wasn't that nice? Yeah, I think that's probably the first um, thing from somebody I don't know that I've heard. Oh. Yeah, so that's awesome. Really, really awesome. Well, that just sort of made my day. Yeah, of course, he went that. on for some of the other things, you know, oh, sure. that when since we keep in touch and this and that. But, uh, but yeah. that just because I had no idea that yeah. he... Celebrating friendships, celebrating, um, there's so many things to celebrate besides holidays. Celebrate friendships. Birthdays. Celebrate. Birthdays are great. I don't celebrate birthdays. <laughs> I'm so bad to, um, I would celebrate a sunflower coming up in my garden before I'd celebrate my birthday. Hmm. I'm very odd that way. I'd celebrate the first egg that a hen laid. Well, that's cause for celebration. Yeah. You can do that as well as birthdays. Yeah, I know. For some reason, birthdays just don't... 
I know. They, I, I, they haven't since I was really pretty young. You do let them slide by. That's I just true. Let them slide by. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love birthdays. Yeah. Oh yeah, I yeah. treat myself to lunch out and trip to the yeah. museum yeah. or well, something. Well, I used to when I was, uh, of course, when I was in school. My birthday is right after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So I was always not at school when we had, um, unless it snowed, you know, a lot and we had to go to school those days, um, which isn't likely in November. Uh, so I generally was at home by myself with my birthday. And so that was kind of my tradition, was just stay home by myself. Mm -hmm. But yeah. give yourself a day of rest. Yeah, I did. Of course, I'm in the middle of July, so I yeah. wasn't in school either. <laughs> yeah. But that was like party, you know. Yeah, no, we just Ooh. didn't. We just didn't do that kind of thing, you know. Because living here in this old house, there were no children close by. Mm. You know, so if we had a birthday cake, we'd always have a birthday cake or something and a present. We always have watermelon. Yeah, along with well, birthday yeah, with July, cake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so um, you know, it would be just the family wouldn't be any big deal type of party or anything. So. But there's lots of other things to celebrate. Mile markers. Yeah. But there's lots of other things, you know. Celebrate a great book. Mm -hmm. Celebrate the, when it quits raining. If it ever quits raining. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrate the first snow. Celebrate the first snow if it ever happens. Anything else? No, I think that's everything I have. Okay. Well, our show notes will be at quincepodcast.com. I'm going to try to get this up before the end of the weekend because it's about Christmas and it kind of wound up a little closer to Christmas than I expected. But um, so the show notes are at quincepodcast.com. We're also on Facebook uh, at Quince Podcast. And um, you can find us on iTunes under Quince Podcast or under Beth Almond Ford or Leslie Sheeler. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with the word. Oh my goodness, I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> uh -oh. Talk about put you on the spot, look quickly at the books. Well, <laughs> surrounding let's us. see. Hmm. I truly haven't. Or, we can, or it can be a surprise, or maybe somebody can suggest one. Let's see if somebody listens and suggests, and if not, I will have it. You and will it, have a word. But do you want to be forewarned so that you can do a little research, or do you well, want to be surprised? Well, I think. Okay. You, you decide. Okay. Okay. Oh. And so we will be back in a couple of weeks. All right. Bye.